Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Every week, we read the chapters available on Viz.com from Shonen Jump, as well as something else. And this week, we are starting, I can't believe we missed March Madness April, with a Shonen Jump sports title that's pretty famous. It sold a lot of copies, Slam Dunk. It's about basketball, kind of. Yeah, it does involve basketball. Kind of, you know. I was going to say, like, Prince of Tennis is about tennis, but I've never actually read Prince of Tennis, so. I think Prince of Tennis is more about tennis than Slam Dunk is about basketball. Very possible. But before we get to that, we have some Shonen Jump to talk about. So shall we just jump right into that? Let's do it. So the cover story for this week's Shonen Jump is Demon Slayer, Chapter 152, The Transparent World. We start with some color pages, which I actually thought were kind of weird. They look almost crayon colored. A little bit. Yeah, it's not like it looked like they got literally colored by crayons, but I know what you mean. The colors were a bit washed out, kind of like you'd expect from a crayon. Like, all of the colors were really faded. Yeah. Also, I read this with almost no sleep last night, then proceeded to not get any sleep, because I was busy working slash getting out an April Fool's Day joke. So, hopefully, I am more on the ball as we go on. But I'm looking at my notes now being like, I remember really liking this chapter, and this all sounds like stuff that happened in it, but you don't it's remember not it? jogging my memory right. Yeah, I really like this chapter. So we have the fight continuing between Tanjiro, the Upper Moon 3, and the Water Pillar. Giyu? Yes. And so Tanjiro has kind of, he's figured out the transparent world, and he's like, oh, this must be what my dad is talking about. And so he's like, I can see kind of into my opponent and also myself. Like, I have more awareness of, like, the contractions of my muscles and how I'm moving around. And so he's also figured out how to keep his fighting spirit inside himself when he is moving around. So we have the Upper Moon 3 starting to realize that Tanjiro is doing something weird. He's like... My instincts are screaming at me to kill this kid, so I'm going to unleash my ultimate attack where he, like, just lances out with, like, a hundred blows in all, like, not in all directions, but at anything that he senses as dangerous. And then we get this really cool panel where he's like, ah, Giyu, you survived. You should become a demon instead of dying. And Tanjiro is just right behind him, and Giyu's, like, looking at him and looking back to the upper moon, and he's like, does he not... Does he not see him? He's like, oh man, is going to have a perfect opportunity to sneak attack. And Tanjiro's like, I'm going to murder you. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, well, that, that was not a sneak attack. Yep. Oh, we did also have the Upper Moon 3 broke use blade. I did write that down. Yeah, that was before he unleashed the crazy combo attack that... So as Gyu was trying to strike him, he hit the side of the blade with like the back of his fist, snapping it. That's exactly what my note says. Yep. Uh, also, we missed, I thought this was after the attack. I, I did remember this part. I just remembered when it happened wrong. He goes to it, like punch Gyu, and there's this really cool shot that looks like his arms like in the stomach and his like blood's coming out. But then the next panel, you see that actually Tanjiro has cut off his hand. Yes. And the blood's coming out of his arm. Yes. Which is a really cool, like, manga trick. Yeah, it was really neat. And even Gyu's like, huh? How did Tanjiro stop that? Like, I haven't been able to, I've been barely able to dodge this guy's attacks. Yeah. 
So anyway, Tanjiro yells, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, oh, he missed his sneak attack opportunity. But then we see he just goes straight for the beheading and gets it. Yeah, because the Upper Moon 3 has been relying on his, he mentions that his needle point compass or something like that, like his technique name, his, which is that he sets out this like weird pattern on the ground. And he's like, the stronger my opponent is, the quicker and better it reacts to things. So I'm actually better at fighting higher rank enemies, essentially. And I will react to their fighting spirit. And he's like, uh, I don't have to worry about this kid. I'll dodge whatever he's doing. And then he sees the sword coming for his head. He's like, I don't feel this kid doing anything. And then his head has come off with Tanjiro doing some cool, like, flame wheel move. Yeah, and his face has a re- uh, action of like, what What just happened? While yes. his head is decapitated. Yes. Which it was is pretty good. It was pretty good. I do also like mentioning that Gyu mentioned that he couldn't avoid all the blows with his dead calm, which was was the special move that he developed for the water breathing techniques. Like, it's the one that he designed that allows him to kind of... He does that thing that Luffy does where he turns his brain off and just avoids all the attacks on natural instinct kind of thing. Yeah. And he mentioned that the only reason he survived was that he was doing that, and so he managed to avoid a fatal blow, but he's still, he's like, he said... It felt like I got hit a hundred times in a single second. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that kind of. Yeah. Like I really like this chapter. I just I feel like I my memory's gonna be spotty for all of this, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's kinda too bad. I did really like this chapter. The battle sequences were really cool. I definitely loved the shot of Tanjiro just being in the background with the Upper Moon 3 being like, wow, I can't believe you survived it, like expecting that he just murdered Tanjiro. <laughs> yeah, he's like Cause he's not oblivious. Yeah, because He makes it sound like his technique is he has distanced himself from his own mind. Like, again, to go to another thing, it's the Killua Hunter Hunter thing where he is kind of bypassed his own brain and made his body react to things faster than he can think about them. Yeah. So he's like, I just let my body go on autopilot and punch anything that's trying to fight me. And so he just assumed that Tanjiro was dead. Yeah, because he wasn't trying to fight him. Yes. So speaking of fighting, that brings us to One Piece chapter... Th- I wrote chapter 398. That's not correct. No. <laughs> One Piece has many more chapters than that. A Woman's Secret. Is it 998? One Piece is... I think so. Thousand, I, don't think right? it's a, I don't think it's at 1,000 yet. One Piece chapter 938. Okay. I transfer the three and the nine. There we go. So it starts out with a shot of Zoro and the assassin from last chapter, and they've done that cool swordsman. They're now on opposite sides of each other, yep. having struck. So then the assassin goes down, and after a moment, Zoro does as well. Yep. We also see the Yakumaro, right? The bandit. the bandit. Yeah. Takes the guy's sides, like the assassin's sides, across yeah. the bridge, but leaves Zoro his two swords. Yes. So then we cut to the palace and we see the guy who killed the Orion and he's got like the mark that the resistance has been spreading. Yep. And he's like kind of acting like it's evidence, but I really get the feeling that he's in on it. Yeah. Just the way the scene is framed. And also considering that the Orion is still alive. Yeah. But we get more about how they're rounding up everybody with the moon mark on their foot. Yeah. Somehow they figured out what the code was. So now they are rounding up everybody who's got the ankle and they were saying it spread like wildfire like literally everybody in the capital knows about it yeah so they're rounding up all of our allies there yes um we then cut to team law and sanji yes law and sanji i would watch that tv drama and 
the Kunoichi is like, oh, clearly Law's crew battled. We need to go kill them so they can't tell any more secrets. And Law's like, no, we're going to rescue them. Yeah, there's no way my crew would break. I also like the idea of they've already told them everything. Why At this point, what does killing them accomplish? Yeah, I could understand her being like, no, we're not going on a rescue mission. We need to salvage something. But like, we need to, yes, we do need to break in, but we need to murder them first. There's also the great shot of Sanji being covered in his face is literally swollen to the size of Frankie's body. Yeah. There was a weird lampshading of it where Frankie goes, how do you get punched to make your face look like that? Although it is like comedy exaggerated, it does look kind of like your face does when you get stung by a bee and you're allergic to it. Not that I have copious experience with that or anything. I don't. But it obviously it's exaggerated in that cartoony one piece yes. way, but... Not overly much. I thought but the yeah. lamp shade was a little odd. A little odd. Uh, uh, not terrible. It no. did add to the joke. My, I guess it more felt like he wasn't confident in the drawing to deliver the punchline. I guess. And had it to add to it. Yeah, because we have Sanji being like, I didn't see anything, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Nami being like, why don't I believe you? So then we cut to Zora, who is waking up in a house somewhere. Yes. With the Orion and the girl whose name I didn't write down. It says it's Otoko. boy. Otoko. Otoko, yes. I wanted to call her Taco, and I'm like, no, that's from the Adventure Zone. Actually, I think her name is just Toko. That might be. I think it is Otoko, but she goes by Toko. Well, because the, the joke is if you add the honorific, it oh. that's what makes her a man, I think. Okay. Japanese puns are hard when you speak English. So they apparently stole some magic toad oil and rubbed it all over his wounds. Yes. And he's like, cool, I need to go get my swords. I lost my chance to duel that guy. And she's like, oh, that guy, he just always shows up on that bridge if you bring weapons there. He's like, oh, perfect. I don't have to track him down. And so Zora's reaction is basically, in my according to my notes, is cool. So why was the Grim Reaper following you? Hey, did I kill the Grim Reaper? I think I killed the Grim Reaper. That was probably the Grim Reaper I killed, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the not at all surprising reveal that her name is actually Hiyori and she's Momonosuke's sister. Yes. And she thinks... He's in town. I kind of wonder if this is a lie, just because it's so obvious. It's possible. Um, I don't know for sure, especially since it seems like she's not in cahoots with the Shogun, but it just felt kind of like an off reveal to me in a weird way. Like, it was Maybe. too obvious. Not that One Piece, like, always has lots of s double twists or anything, yeah. and it does love itself a princess, so... Yes, but I could also see... So her perpetuating the lie that she's Momonosuke's sister is what gets her to meet with him so that they know where they are. So that's why the Shogun's head bodyguard killed her but didn't kill her was so that she could infiltrate. But that seems like a lot of setup that this makes a lot more. It makes a lot more sense just being the obvious thing. Yeah. Like I said, One Piece loves itself a kingdom princess. So yes. It is certainly in line with its normal tropes. It just felt, like I said, a little too obvious to me. So, I don't know. Decent chapter of One Piece still. Yeah. Which brings us to My Hero Academia number 222, Tomoro Shigaraki. Distortion, I think, is what it actually is. Okay. What I wrote down is not that word. I don't usually talk about the covers of One Piece or My Hero, but the cover of this struck out to me because it's a very One Piece-ish cover. It's Deku as a kaiju, and specifically it's Deku as Mothra. Yes. Which is really weird, and Bakugo just looks like pissed off, like Deku has made a new secret move for some reason. And yes. like Todoroki and Idoria are like saluting him. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. 
And Deku just looks like Deku as a Mothra. Yes. That definitely feels like a One Piece cover where it's like literally just fans being like, hey, can you drop make the cover this? And he just kind of goes through the requests. I'm going to pick this one this week. Mm-hmm. Here's Because this one was birds bathing in crocodile sand. Yeah. It's like, okay. okay. I do love crocodile. Yeah. So. Like, when's he going to show back up, man? It's been a while. It has. I mean, I have faith, but still, where, where's Crocodile at? Hey, we had to wait, what was it, 15 years for the reference to the invisible dude? So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Perona. Perona's been around. It feels like Perona's been around recently. I guess she was, because she was on Mihawk's Island. Yeah. So we saw her right after the time skip. But I always like when Perona shows up. We also saw her then. We saw, we've seen her way more recently than that, too. Yeah. When she saw the news that Gecko Moria was doing I know. stuff. Yeah. But yeah, but. Also, like you said, right after the time step where she was hanging out with Zoro, because One Piece is great sometimes. Yes. Anyway, but this is my hero, which is also great sometimes. But I felt like this was kind of a weak chapter, kind of the same way you did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. The one thing I did actually really like about it was the reveal of what Tomura's hands were i like it and don't it's very dark and edgy and like a purposeful way it doesn't feel out of nowhere but i don't know i it didn't have the desired effect because i think the rest of the story didn't super work for me i'm fine without him having an origin in a way i guess so this is basically tomura's origin basically he used his quirk to murder his whole family then All for One found him. You know, it was like, hey, too bad a hero didn't save you. Hey, here's all your family's hands. I guess make a costume out of them. I, I am being a little facetious because reading this, I actually had more conflicting feelings about the hands, like I said. Yeah, the doctor said the only thing left were the hands. And they also mentioned something about his quirk being weird. Like it's not, it sounded like it was not just the disintegration thing. Because it'd be weird that only the hands would be left. Like, they they mentioned that there was something weird about his quirk. Like, some kind of weird mutation, or he, like, manifested, like, two quirks or something. Like, a weird second quirk, something like that. It was kind of a, not a throwaway line, but the doctor was like, oh yeah, you had this weird thing. And so, that's why your quirk kind of went on a rampage. And so, I'm wondering if that's going to come into play later. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, like, quirk singularity that got mentioned twice, and I keep thinking it's going to be important just because it was mentioned, even though it might just be some random world building. Yeah, but it also might be something that he comes back to later. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering. So basically, after that, the doctor's just like, hey, I have stuff that can power you all up, but I want you to beat Gigante Omachio and make him listen to you first. Yes. And he's got this little, like, Nomu puppet he uses to do his teleport quirk, which I actually really liked. Yeah, it's like the it's like just the head of one of the Nomus. Also, I missed this part where Tomura's like, basically, I want to kill everyone and everything. Toga's like, even the things I like? And, and he's, he's like, like, oh, no, you guys are fine. He's like, my allies, I will spare the things they like. And she's like, yay! I just want to... W- I can't wait for the part where Toga's like, no, I like Deku. I honestly... I still like the... He's the evil villain that's like, I want to destroy everything. And they're like, what about us? Like, oh, yeah, of course, you guys are fine. Don't worry about it. Like, hey, that's where we keep our stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but it's him being like, ah, don't worry about it. Wink. Why did you say wink? Wink. (laughs) Um, Also, Spinner has a reaction that I don't know if it's him, like, making a connection or him being like, oh, shit, this guy is insane. It could easily go either way. Well, it's because Tomura mentioned that he was hollow inside before he met All for One. 
And I think that's Spinner was being like, that's exact. That's a good point. That's exactly what I was talking about. I hadn't considered that, but I think you are probably right on that. Yes. And then someone goes off from the group. Dobby. That's right. Dobby's like, ah, yeah, you want to fight a giant? Cool. I think I got a guy to recruit. I'm going to be back later. That's right. And the doctor is like, oh, I've got this Nomu that's going to be perfect to partner up with you. Yeah. Uh, And we're to the start of this villain flashback where they're fighting Gigante Omachio. Yes. Which, like I said, this chapter didn't do a lot for me, but... No, I just, I liked the story reveals, even though it was very weird, the hands getting an explanation on to what they were and kind of why, like, when the first time he called it father was definitely very weird. Like, why does he call that hand father? Now it's like, oh, that's his father's hand. I think this will all play a lot better in the anime just because most of this will probably be one, maybe two episodes. Probably. And I think with that sort of pacing, this will all play a lot better. I think so, yeah. Not that this was awful, but yeah. not oh. my favorite My Hero. Yeah, and I think we're finally, it feels like we're done with the flashback, because the very last panel of the chapter is... the is, monarch is showing the, up again? <laughs> well, it's just, the, it's just the monarch. I don't think he showed up, it's just he's there. Well, so. he's like, this will be the end of the League of Villains. Yes. Since I'm done. It's weird that they're being framed as the protagonists here. I don't know that I dislike it. It's just a strange choice, given how they've been portrayed in the past. Tomura yeah. is such a clear foil for Deku that I get it makes sense, but... Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's the end of my point. So next we have The Last Sayuki, Chapter 5, The Tales of Momo. What were your feelings on this one, Kevin? I kind of like this one. Me too. A little less than recent Last Sayuki, but still pretty good. I do like that it starts with Ryunosuke's dad sitting down. It's like, okay, I am dad deck, so let me tell you this monster's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and, well, I also like Ryanosuke being like, doesn't his form change depending on what manga or game you're talking about? Like, when there'd be hundreds, how would you know his specific strengths or weaknesses? And him being like, oh yeah, there's this book of evil that you can read from. The Scriptures of Darkness is what it's literally yes. called. It is not a very subtle book. Well, no, the it's like the Book of Momo or something like that, or it, the Tales of Mo, something like called- that. But it's the Scriptures of Darkness is like the nickname for all of the book itself, but it's like the Tales of Mo or Momo, something like that. You are right. That's the name of the chapter. So, And so he's like, this is that text that the, he doesn't say it out loud, but this is the text that the organization uses to cause fear in people. Like, these are the stories that they tell people to open up their moo. And he's like, hey, and good news, I fought this before. Yes. So, it's a pretty decent battle scene. I feel like the plan's kind of obvious, uh, but it's a good plan, so it kind of works out. Yeah. Where Ryanosuke's dad goes out and uh, has Sayuki talk to him, so the monster appears. But the monster basically has phasing powers, where it can shift out of the universe and shift through you. It Honestly, it looks like it turns into water, is the way it's kind of drawn. So, like, none of your attacks hit because you're just hitting water not his actual form but his weakness is that he, to attack you he has to be solid yeah so ryunosuke is like hiding in the other room and as soon as he goes to attack he just extends the powerful yes. right into its forehead i also like the shot of ryunosuke's dad being like we have the niobu and he pulls out this little like <laughs> inch long piece of the niobu from his robe and then extends it and i just i like the idea of him carrying it around like i've got my niobu whoop but just carrying around as this little, like, like tiny sausage just thing. keeping it in his pocket. You know, in case you need a Niobu. Yes. 
Surprise! Power pole. So it ends on them basically telling his friend everything, whose name I can't remember and didn't write down. Soggy? Saki? Saki. We'll go with Saki for now, and we'll write it down for next week. Yeah, something like that. And he's like, oh, oh man, like, I knew something was going on. But now this is like, yeah, actually, I said my sister's a pain in the ass, but actually she's really cool. Yep. And Rinosuke's dad's like, okay, well, that worked, but your moo is still open, so now we will begin the procedure to close it. And that's our cliffhanger. Yes. Oh, they also mentioned that three other kids were told the same story, so they're going to have to deal with that, I'm guessing. Yeah, I assume it's going to be not quite a Sailor Moon Villain of the Week situation, but something along those lines for a little while. Yeah. Or it might just be in the next chapter they like just kind of montage through because he mentioned that they were all told the same story so presumably they would be fighting the same monsters four times yeah it's a possibility too or i just assume that we'll get different monsters and they'll be like yeah that story was kind of scary but this story is really scary yeah that and that's probably the way it's gonna go for a little while which i'd be fine with which brings us i think to chainsaw man chapter 16 first taste the comedy in this one actually really worked for me in a way that we often, I don't want to say argue, but it works for you and it doesn't as much for me. Yep. Shifting it from Denji and his like lazy base, that sort of humor. Yes. To like powers really worked for me. Yeah, I like, thought it was pretty good. Like it starts with, I didn't write down her name. So she's Captain Eyepatch. There we go. Wakes up Denji and he's like, we got a problem. Aki just keeps going around yelling to try and fight the demon. Everybody else is pa- is freaking out and Power's saying weird things. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to win the Nobel Prize. And then I'll use that to become Prime Minister because I want to make humans feel despair. So then my first act will be to create a 100% sales tax. And she's like, see? And Deji goes, no, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just love how, like, simultaneously petty and effective that is. Yes. <laughs> like, that's such a petty way to make people miserable. But also, it would. Yes, that it would, would be the worst. That would totally work. I also like how like simple and childish her plan is, but yeah, like, I'll win a Nobel Prize. I'm going to come up with some cool invention and win a Nobel Prize, and that's how I'll become president. Yes. Anyway, so Eyepatch Girl's like, "Oh, yeah. Well, we found some leftover food, and the water works." But, but I'm down to my last cigarette. Yeah, it's like it's so, and she's like, "Oh man, it's so nice having an addiction. Smoke cigarettes, kids. It really takes the edge off." Well, she mentions that's what's helping her get through the mental stress because the one guy is curled up in a corner. The other girl was trying to drink the toilet water so she got knocked unconscious by Captain Eyepatch. And she's like, oh, it's helpful having an addiction because I can just smoke a cigarette and not care about anything anymore because I finally got my fix. Yeah. And she tells the story about how she got Aki addicted to cigarettes because she's a good person. Yes. Then he comes in and is like, hey, you got any smoke? He's like, no. And he's like, well, my plan sucks, so. Yep. Actually, no, he's like, hey, I found that demon that you killed, but you didn't, and he's way bigger now. Yep. And then they just go, he's like, hey, let me eat Denji, and I will let you all leave. And before they could answer, the girl who got locked in, like, a room is like, hey, Denji, let it eat you. Holding a knife. Yeah. Which is a decent cliffhanger. I mean, yeah, it's presumably her versus everyone else, so. Yep. But decent, pretty decent chapter of Chainsaw Man. Really, that power joke at the beginning just really, really worked for me. Yeah, I liked this chapter of Chainsaw Man, but it wasn't, like, it was good. It wasn't my favorite. 
Which brings us to Hellward and Higama, Chapter 14, Finding Resolve, Part 1. Back to them, parted chapter names. So this is all a flashback to Higama's dad and aunt, basically. Yeah. And his relationship with them. It starts out with basically him trying to get his dad to buy him a Dragon Quest-looking video game. Yes. But his dad's like, that's too expensive. And he's like, please. And his aunt's like, just buy it for him. He's like, no, that will spoil him. And he's like, here, how about this? I'll buy it for you, but you have to come on my next mission with me. He's like, oh, I don't want it that bad. And then his dad's like, no, goddammit, I am buying this for you, and you have to go on a mission with me. Yes. And so it started off with him begging his dad to buy it, and then it ends with him holding onto his leg, being like, no, don't buy the video game! Which is pretty good. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Then it's just a bunch of backstory about why their family are all hell wardens, basically because they let some big fugitive spirit out 500 years ago. Who then released a bunch of the other ones. Yeah. And so any of their family line who doesn't do it are sentenced to hell. Yes. So they're like, we got to tough up Higuma because otherwise he's going to be bound for hell forever. Yeah, because they mentioned that Higuma abhors violence of any kind. Yeah, like, like, he won't watch sports or television. Yeah, but, but games are okay because they're, they're just for fun. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, his child brain can abstract video games aren't real. Yes. Which is interesting, but. I, fair. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, he doesn't really watch TV or sports or anything, and he doesn't, like, when he got bullied at school, he didn't do anything, even though he could have easily beaten the other kid. So, I liked that. And then we get some more backstory on King Enma. Yeah, and no, like, this is like a physical form of just basically the concept of bureaucracy. Yeah, I kind of got the idea that the bridge that he's sitting on is, like, more like the form of King Enma, and the actual body is just the mouthpiece, essentially. That does make sense. So it was like, because he basically said, yeah, it's like King Enma is the bureaucracy that transports souls to hell and to make them saved. Like, it's more like purgatory than hell, I guess, from a Christian sense. Yeah. So Higuma's like, hey, I don't want to kill anybody. Wouldn't it be better if we could just, like, forgive the spirits? And Enma's basically just like, keep your convictions, kid. Yeah. Well, and he's like, because he doesn't just say, wouldn't it be better? It's like, is me feeling this wrong? And King Emma's like, no, make sure to hold on to that. But you do have to go kill them because I am bureaucracy and that's what I say. It is an interesting dynamic. And yes. the cliffhanger of this one is we find out his aunt was working with some sort of devil to try and get them out of their deal with Enma. Yep. So presumably more details on that next week. Yeah. Which brings us to Neolation Chapter 15, A Time Spell. You wanted to talk about this one, Kevin. I did want to talk about this one. So we have kind of a montage of Neo hanging out with his friend. Maya uh, Tabari. Maya. And the first thing he does is they're playing Tetris, and he makes all the blocks pink because pink well, is her favorite color. He made a Tetris clone. Oh, oh I gotcha. And she's like, you didn't make this. I know you couldn't have made this. And he just goes, what's your favorite color? And she's like, pink. And he makes all the blocks pink to like, gotcha. prove it, that he actually made it. And she's like, oh my god, you are amazing. You're the He's best. like, why? Well, I mean, it's just because I'm a genius. Yeah. And we get to see a montage of him studying super hard yep. and like looking on all these forums to how to do this. Yeah. And I really like that he lies to her to impress her. But like, if this Neo is so much better than Neo we get normally. I think a lot of the reason I like this Neo more is his hacking seems much more grounded in reality. Yeah, I was going to get to that. He There's... spent supposedly days or weeks learning how to make this game, 
and he plays it off like it's magic, which is perfectly fine. You know, like, oh, yeah, look, I cast this magic spell and made it pink, but it took him. We got to actually see the back process of it, not just him being like techno wizardry. And everything he does in this chapter, either A, is possible with hacking, or B, is close enough that you can abstract it in movie hacking and it's fine. Yeah. He's not casting fireballs or anything, or hacking the brakes. Yeah. And the... (laughs) So, we get a little bit more story into Maya, and she's got a intractable disease. Yeah. And most people with it die in their teens. Yep. So... I do like before we get to that, not okay. to interrupt. I do like how we cut to them being older, but she's like, "Hey, what's elementary school like?" But they've been drawn older, so like anime characters, they now look like they're fifteen, yes. but apparently still in elementary school. Yeah, because you know, in anime, you could either be nine or twenty. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> well, when he's talking about that, he's like, "Oh, well, let me just hack into the security system of the school, and we can kind of like." look through the cameras and you can get an idea, you know, nobody's there, but you can get an idea of what it's like to be in school. And they notice a burglar coming into the school. And even Neo's like, why is somebody trying to break into the school? (laughs) Why? There's nothing there. But the thing he does is like, ah, if we call the cops or do something, it could be difficult, but the school has a security system. So if I just contact the security system and run it through some kind of like backtracing things, they won't be able to immediately recognize where I'm coming from. And so I just tell them, oh, there seems to be somebody suspicious on school grounds. And so they're like, all right, well, we'll dispatch a guard and they catch the guy. And she was like, wow, that was like magic. Yeah, you are a wizard. And again, it's like, oh, no, it was super easy for me, even though we can see how hard it is. And she's like, that's what makes you so amazing. Imagine if you applied yourself. You could be a politician or a doctor. Yes. And so then we see him and she's like, you have an amazing future ahead of you. And he's like, well, I don't want a future without you. And I can't become a doctor until I'm 24. Yep. Like, legally, it's impossible. So I can't help you until then. So he decides to basically just hack every medical research group he can find. And distribute and, their data freely. Yeah, and release their results in the hopes that it will help find a cure for her. Yep. Which, again, I super like as a motivation for him. Yeah. And again, that is possible to do with yes. hacking. And it was, he was like, I'm going to cast a time spell to give you more time. And it was like, I like that aspect of his hacking wizardry. Sure, you can call it a time spell. Like, but it was, all right, I'm going to do DDoS attacks on all of these big pharmaceutical companies to break into their systems so that I can just distribute their data. Yeah. And even though that is kind of a dick move, it's very easy to be sympathetic to that. Yeah. Well, even though it's resulting medical data. Yeah, even then, he kind of understands. He's like, I know this is technically a crime, but I'm doing this to save this girl's life. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this chapter was I liked this version of Neo and his hacking wizardry where it's like, oh, you're like a wizard and it's like magic. But we get to see the hard work that he put in trying to get all this stuff to work and not just fireball. Yeah, I want. Flashback Neo forever. I'm so scared about when we're going to go back to boring, normal Neo and his boring friends instead of his cute, not girlfriend. Cute, dead, not girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, just cast that time. We could have flashback Neo forever and she doesn't have to die. Sure. The Adventures of Flashback Neo sounds like a way better manga. Yeah, but it'd probably be shorter. Superboy went on a really long time. I guess. 
Which brings us to We Never Learned Chapter 105, A Maiden's Invitation Inadvertently Reflects X. So this is, like I said, I'm a little tired, and I remember all the things that happened in this, but I can't remember any characters' names or motivations. Gotcha. I just remember this apron that says, No Sister, No Life on it, that Yugi's sister is wearing. Yeah, so Yugi's sister is a brocon. Yeah, I know. So I don't know her name. That's all I know about her, is she's into her I don't, bro. I don't remember her name either. So Uraraka comes to teach the swimming program at his sister's like middle school. Like I used to go to this middle school, so I came down to help out. The teachers were kind of like, "Hey, can you come swing by and give some pointers to the kids? They a lot of them really look up to you because you're a big deal in the swimming world." And Yugi's sister was talking with her and trying to mention that Yugi has been super tired and he's being attacked by parasites. Yeah, before you go on, I do want to get to that parasites. It is important to establish at the very beginning we learned Yugi hasn't told his family that he's working or like had he's turned down the scholarship, basically. Yes. So anyway, yeah, and she he's like, or female parasites, and we see like these little like parasite versions of Ogita and uh Furuhashi yep. that are actually really cute. She's like, You're my only ally, Uraka. Clearly you don't have a massive crush on my brother. Yes. And or I ship you guys? I assume it's one. Uh, it's one, because she likes her brother. Yeah. So we get, that kind of sticks in Uraka's head, so she decides to do a pick-me-up thing for Yu-Gi-Oh, but we don't really notice that, it's just he got invited over, and she made him a meal, and she's like, oh yeah, I made you this meal. He's like, wow, this is really good. She's like, yeah, it's got garlic to give you some extra energy, and they're sitting under uh, Kotatsu, and she starts playing footsie with him and he kind of, or no, sorry. Uh, before First, that, there's a video and he's like, what, what is going on? Yeah. Here? She's, she's like, here, check out this funny video. He's like, can we focus on studying please? And then it looks like she's starting to play footsie with him under the table. And he's like, what? So she's trying to feed me garlic and she's trying to distract me and get super close to me. And, and he starts having flashbacks to the last Araka chapter where she was posing all sexy for him. Yeah. He's like, what is she doing? And, she was doing foot acupressure yeah, with her own to relax feet. Him. And so basically, hijinks, hijinks, hijinks. Yeah, and the hijinks was that she was she thought he was under a lot of stress, so she's like, oh, we'll get him relaxing under Kotatsu, and we'll have him de-stress with watching a funny video, and we'll feed him a nice meal, and I'll give him a massage, and that'll calm him down. And then she's like, and garlic is good to fend off parasites. And he's like, parasites? <laughs> what are you talking about? But then we get to the serious part, because that's how we never learn works. He's like, hey, how did you tell your parents you were studying abroad? And he's like, well, basically, I did the Japanese thing and bowed as low as I could and begged them. Well, it was more that she was like, hey, have you told your parents that you are working to try and pay off your thing? And it was like, I couldn't really talk to them. I mean, how did you talk to your parents about studying abroad? And she was like, I begged them. And they said yes. And she has to think about how, like, it's okay to lean on other people. Like, There's no way a kid support. can pay for college by himself. Like, you need the help of your parents. You need to tell your family. Yeah. And so Yugi is like, all right. And so he goes home, and he's like, all right, Mom, I need to tell you. Wait, wait, why is nobody here? And so he's wandering around the house, and he runs into his teacher. Yeah, in a okay. That is his teacher in a bathroom in his house? Yes. Okay, I was very confused. I'm like, is this his sister and everyone looks the same? Is this his no. mom? And now there's some mom con stuff going on? No, that is definitely his teacher. Okay. Holding a bath towel up against her. 
and that's the that's the cliffhanger is he walks in on her in the bathroom like I'm assuming he's going to have the, what are you doing at my house? Yeah. Or, like, somehow he got to her house. I don't think that's the case. That's yeah. absolutely not, because she lives in, like, an upstairs apartment. Yes. But it's it's definitely going to be, what are you doing in my house? Uh, also, we find out that his dad was a teacher. There's some more talk about that. Some more foreshadowing towards that pretty obvious Yeah, we talked about. But, yeah, we get confirmation that his dad was a teacher. Which brings us to the Promised Neverland chapter 129, My Burden. Pretty much just a Norman chapter, which I did like. I really like this chapter. Norman goes down to his super friends. Don't really know what to call them. Super friends is a word yes. for them. They're all super, and they're his friends, it yes. seems. Slash minions? Yeah. <laughs> the super friend minions. So they're hanging out in the basement with the demon crucified to the wall. And a giant demon, like, gigantic. Yeah. And they're just hanging out, they're like, oh man, being down here just calms me down. It really takes the edge off to crucify a demon. Well, it looks like he's been there forever. Probably. Like, it, it's not like they did something fresh, because later on, it's kind of revealed that they've been trying to study up on the demon, so there's like a bunch of demon heads in jars, and clearly they were like running experiments to try and figure out more about the demons to take them out. Yeah, and so he immediately is like, yeah, so Emma and Ray don't want to kill all the demons. Oh, also the child of evil is still alive, and she yeah. became friends with Emma, and they're like, well, that's a problem. He's like, don't worry, I'll figure it out. Yeah, and they're like, you still want to murder them all, right? And he's like, definitely still want to murder them all. And one of them, the one that kind of freaked out before, gets super pissed off that Emma doesn't want to murder all the demons. And then but has like a panic attack. Yeah, and we find out that they need medicine, basically. We don't really find out the details. But that recently they've needed it more often and they need more of it. Yeah, I'm assuming it's because they're superhuman they're yeah. starting to break down. I also assume the same. But we find that out explicitly. And the others are kind of more understanding of Emma's position, but they're still like, she's too naive. We have to. Yeah, so even quickly. Norman's like, listen, don't worry. We're still going through with the plan. I just need to modify it to deal with the child of evil. Yeah. And then the last splash page is a half shot of regular Norman, half shot of him like as a skeletal demon. He's like, I can become it's, a god or a devil. It's him with uh, angel wings. So uh, is, it's not just regular Norman. It's angelic Norman and like Grim Reaper Norman. And I really liked the final panel. Yeah. I wonder if that's just a common phrase in Japanese. I know that's a big Mazinger thing is I can become a god or a devil with Mazinger. It might just be an explicit Mazinger reference too. Maybe. Or like you said, it might just be a kind of uh, Japanese phrase. Yeah. But it was something that I really liked, him being like, I can be the savior or death to them. And I really like the artwork of the him being like half skeletal Grim Reaper and regular Norman with the and angel wings. Yeah, it was good art. Which brings us to Food Wars number 305, Surpassing Dad. I liked this chapter of Food Wars, but it was yet more set up for the Saiba... Soma fight. Yeah, which I guess you need a lot of setup. I assume it's going to be a multi-chapter Shokugeki. Yeah. So I saw he's the crowd favorite. Everybody's cheering for him. Surprising no one. Yeah. But then the Polar Star Dorm cheerleaders show up. Yes. They're like, we finally made it to the blue. It was so hard to get a ticket. We're so pissed we missed Megumi's battle. But at least we're here to cheer on Soma. Yeah. Also, Joichiro, the character who's his friend whose name I can never remember. Yeah, the guy who runs the hotel for yeah. Totsuki. And the old and Aaron's grandpa are all there too. Yes, to stroke their beards and provide commentary and backstory. 
Yes. So we find out Saiba has Joichiro's knife that he used specifically while he was in school. And that's why he didn't take Saiba's. Yes. Or I'm sorry, that's why he didn't take Soma's. He didn't take his own knife either. Yes. And he's like, oh man, what should I cross this with though? And they're all like, oh, that means he's as good a cook as Joichiro. But Soma's like, perfect. I want it to be better than my dad anyway. So yep. now I can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, if I beat you, I also prove that I'm better than my dad, which yeah. is a total Soma thing. Yeah. It's like, ha, this was the, you know, you've never beaten your father, and this is the knife that proves that I'm better than him. Cool, so if I beat you, I'm better than both of you. Wait, I, I, I guess, but it's not the lesson you should be taking away from this, Soma. He's like, eh, I don't care. So the theme is, uh, hey, you got to make something that incorporates elements of Chinese, French, Italian, Turkish, and Indian cuisine at the same time. Yes. Have fun. The bookmaster, Irina's mom, is like, these are the, whenever you think of regional cuisines, these are the five big ones. So you have to make a dish that incorporates every single one. And everyone's like, that sounds impossible. How would you not get the, all those flavors to clash? And Joe is like, well, pretty sure Saiba's got at least one knife from all five of those styles. Yep. And he's going to be using Saiba's knife to cross with what seems like everything. Yeah. And we get we kind of get the idea that he doesn't just have to do two, do two. Well, he he has to do two, but it seems like he's going to be able to like use Saiba's knife, cross it with this to do this thing, cross it with this to do this thing. Yeah, I that is what I assume is going because he pulls out and he's got like three knives in each fist, Wolverine style. Like I have all of these tools to defeat you with. And Soma's like, "That's cool. I'll beat you with my knife, Soma's knife." <laughs> I think he actually calls it Soma's knife. He's like, "I shall beat you with my knife, Soma's knife." Well, you know, that's the starting equipment. He's, out, he's on hard mode of Food Wars. No changing your gear. You just get headband and Soma's knife. And you yes. gotta beat everyone. And no no freakish skill either. Hide mode. Yes. Like you said, very transition-y, even but though I, it is pretty good. Yeah, I still liked it. So it was just one of those. I mean, I know that it was nice that they set all this stuff up. And we also have just a little thing of... The guy who runs the Totsky's hotel is like, Drichiro, I can't believe you let me run around trying to figure out who the Saiba character was, knowing that he was your apprentice. He's like, <laughs> oh yeah, sorry about that. I don't want to tell you. Which leads us to, speaking of fathers, Boruto number 33, Exceeding the Limits. Which honestly was, I want to say a boring chapter of Boruto. It was a good fight with a good premise. But a thing I've noticed a lot about Boruto's fight scenes, at least in the manga, is they're very mechanical. They're very serviceable, but there's not a lot of dynamism to them. No. You get to see each blow of the fight, and there are probably four or five pages that are just fight in this chapter. Yeah. And you see every blow, but there's not much motion, and it's not very innovative. There's a bit where... It definitely feels like still shots of the fight rather than the fight, like, even though I'm looking at still pictures, envisioning the fight is... I'm guessing is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's this bit in particular where the villain shoots her eye lasers at Naruto, and he uses a Rasengan to, like, disperse them. But all we see is the eye lasers fire, and then the Rasengan in Naruto's hands. Yep. Like, there's no motion of the lasers veering off or anything like that. I think if this was colorized, it would have been better, because... Like, the- you could have the Rasengan have be a color. Well, I and I had the idea that what he did was he absorbed the eye lasers into the Rasengan because yeah. I felt like there were some like extra thick lines in there that it was like she shot the eye lasers at them and he just got them spinning as well. So if it was colorized, like maybe her eye lasers are red and his Rasengan's blue, and but, so you'd or have also like put a ring around it. I feel like if you're something doing this yeah. in manga, 
yeah, it, it definitely felt like it was just like shoot laser beam, activate block technique, and there wasn't there wasn't like any motion in between. It was just like still shot, still shot. Yeah. Anyway, she can absorb chakra, so Naruto's like, well, I got a ton of that, and you fired your death lasers out at the same strength as my Rasengan, so you probably have a limit. I think she actually fired the Rasengan back at him. Uh, you're right. Because he was like, so because you absorbed and fired my move back at me, that means it has to go somewhere, and I am I have a ridiculously high amount of chakra, so I'm betting that my reserves are bigger than your storage capacity, and I can just overwhelm you. It definitely kind of seems like she has no idea what Naruto's deal is. Which it does. Which, which seems se- weird, because he is the Hokage who saved the world, and I understand he is a ninja, but I feel like anyone in the ninja world, especially like these people who clearly have a lot of recon, should at least have a base understanding of why you don't want to mess with Naruto. I guess. Because he's she- not even using his move. The only move he uses in this is Rasengan, which maybe is the writer being lazy, or maybe is just showing that Naruto doesn't really have to try. Actually, at one point, he uses a lava Rasengan, which I thought was... I don't remember that in this chapter. It I believe was, it wasn't. It wasn't this chapter. I think okay. it was last. the Did, last just, chapter. Maybe I just didn't remember. I just remember him being like, lava, lava Futen Rasengan. I was like, what? I feel like he uses that at the end of Naruto. Does he? I thought he only ever uses the wind one. I feel like when he's got all the tailed beasts in him, like specifically okay. that's the four tails, does like lava powers. So I feel like he's used that before, but maybe, maybe. Not. Either way. Yeah, like you said, he's just using the Rasengan. And so I do love the naming convention of Rasengan, giant Rasengan, super giant Rasengan, super, super giant Rasengan. <laughs> like, really? That's like Goku levels of, all right, Kaioken times two. So anyway, Naruto beats this lady because by overwhelming her with Rasengan so she can't absorb them anymore and then smacks her with a giant one. Yeah. Well, she also mentions when he, because it was like her eye that was absorbing the chakra, it like removed her ability to see very well and yeah. also removed her link to the drone that she was using. Yeah. And so that's why he was able to outmaneuver her was she wasn't able to absorb any chakra and apparently, like, I'm guessing she had a hard time seeing as well. Yeah. And we see Boruto, like, freaking out that his dad has beat up this person, and Kawaki also, like, clearly has that moment of recognition. Yes, although the the very confusing thing that I don't like is that he uses this giant Rasengan that's literally, like, 20 times larger than his own body, and he shoves her into the ground with it, and she's just at the bottom of a smoking crater unconscious. I mean, like, I realize that's a shonen thing, but it's like, that, haven't they shown that the Rasengan's, like, super freaking deadly? Like... Usually you don't get hit by it. I mean, it did send Orochimaru Team Rocket blasting off again. Yeah. When Naruto was a noob. But I feel like, you know, like all anime moves, it got weaker as time went on. Yeah, it's just that it's that weird thing of like, let me use this huge giant energy ball to knock you unconscious. This sh- specifically wow. the swirling vortex of energy. Yes. Yeah. So that that's just the the weird dissonance with a lot of the Naruto moves. It's Part of the problem with it being shonen, but them being ninjas, is like me being an adult going like, yeah, ninjas would be really good at murdering people, but this is a kid's manga, so they're not going to be murdering people in them. At least you could understand as an adult that an orange jumpsuit is actually probably less conspicuous than traditional ninja garb. Yes. Even if maybe it's not the best forest camo. Yeah. I understand the Konoha traditional ninja guard because it is kind of forest camo-y. Yeah. So it's like, all right, that makes sense. 
All right. So with that, I think it's time to move on to jump card, right? Yeah. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank the chapters we read this week from worst to best. What do you have at the bottom, Kevin? I have Yui Camillo at the bottom. I also have Yui Camillo at the bottom, despite defending it quite a bit last week. I just, it didn't seem funny to me. A couple of the jokes worked for me, but not nearly as much as last week. And, like, the fight scenes are really, really undynamic. And the kind of climax of the fight hinges on a joke of the villain having this unbeatable grab move that Camillo just effortlessly beats after like pausing and letting it happen, which is, is really narratively unsatisfying. And that joke's been done so many times before. Yeah. This is my inventive or creative. Yeah. It'd be one thing if like Camillo had, or Camillo had even shown how she got out of it, but it was really like, here's my ultimate technique that hits 109 of the pressure points in your body. And she just stands up. It's like, Oh, that's a, that's a very bad grapple move. Yeah. Did not care for it. What do you got at 15? I have Hell's Paradise at 15 because I I really need to get into, I really need to get caught up in Hell's Paradise because there's some really cool stuff that I think is going on, but I don't know. And so it just it's still kind of down there because I'm like, man, I really wish I knew like who any of these characters were or why I should care about them at all. So I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 15. There was just a lot Fair. of stuff in here that, that I found boring. It was the one chapter I was really bored by this week. But there was also some interesting stuff that I like tried to pay attention to. And the ending cliffhanger that next we play baseball. is yes. always It's always good when the X-Men play baseball. So, yeah. So my number 14 was Boruto because, like you said, it was it was a lot of fight, but it, it didn't feel like a very dynamic fight. It felt like a lot of still images and again i always have that disconnect with naruto unleashing these huge energy attacks that like can destroy mountains but leave the person's clothes intact like you literally tore a uh, 50 feet into the ground and made it all vanish by the way yet her clothes are still on come on well, those are very durable kevin my number 14 is Hell's Paradise, mostly for the reasons you talked about. I really liked some of the Tao stuff they were going into this chapter, and I'm starting to get it, although I feel like every time I start to get Hell's Paradise, we cut to somewhere and someone else Yep, and for that's, more confusion. That's happening to me a lot. I'm like, all right, so I think I'm getting this down. Nope, I'm not getting this down at all. Who the, What are Lord Tensons? Are those demons? Because they mentioned, it was like Lord Tenson, and at first I thought that was a dude, and I was like, yeah, there were a bunch of Lord Tensons. Wait, wait what, a, a bunch of them? I thought you were talking about one person. So my number 13 was Black Clover. Hey, huh. lucky number. Black Clover for me, too. Yeah. It's okay. Like... Yeah, it... So we have... We have the return of bad Black Clover art. Yeah, we have Yuno and Asta are fighting the Dark Elf, and they, like, managed to defeat his attack that Captain Yami couldn't stop when he wasn't super powered on hate. And they're like, all right, that probably wore him out because that wore us out. 
And then they're like, how is he still drawing mana? This is insane. And then Nozzle shows up. Kind of out of nowhere. And Noelle's there too. And it's like, it seems like she was there the whole time, which seems weird. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, it's Nozzle. It's like, where did all of you guys come from? Weren't you all fighting? Like, it would make sense if we had seen at least the culmination of some of these other fights before this, like, we know they're running through the passages to try and make it to the center chamber. I don't know that you necessarily need to spend time on that, but it just, it feels, it doesn't feel Deus Ex Machina to me, because we've established he's in there. It just feels like a weird anti-solution to the problem. Well, what I mean is, like, we've seen a couple of the fights, and they were like, there, here's the cliffhanger in the fight. I, I, I guess the cliffhanger got, got resolved without anything happening because they're just suddenly here. Again, I think that's fine storytelling because then you get the surprise of it because what you're expecting is to see the resolution of the fight and we can always flash back to that. It is Shodan. I guess. Or it can just not be important. Yeah. But yeah, he shows up and he uses his Mercury powers which are perfectly suited to fight the light powers because he can make it reflective. So he essentially makes a cage of Mercury around the Dark Elf that will reflect all of his attacks back in on himself. And he's like, because you're going insane, you'll end up killing yourself because I'm just going to reflect all of your moves back at you. Yeah. I mean, it it was whatever. Yeah. I've certainly seen worse chapters of Black Clover. Uh, what do you have at number 12? Number 12 for me was Jujutsu Kaisen. I like this a little bit more because I know what's going on. So some of the character reveals were kind of interesting and... A little bit more of the backstory was kind of cool. The thing that the big thing to take away from this was the entire attack on the students was actually a feint, and it was a heist to get some of Sukina's fingers and some special grade tools from the jujitsu school. Yeah, and I did kind of like that, but also the explanation of it went so long, I kind of got bored and kept drifting in and out. Yeah, I, I know do what like you mean. the whole idea of it though. Yeah, and that's why it's not super high on my list either. Like it wasn't perfectly executed, but. I definitely like that. I was like, oh, yeah, the the entire attack was a heist and also a test on our ability. We're going to try and seal Gojo Sensei at some point in the future. Like, that's our main goal. So we're going to kind of test the barrier to see if it works. And all of the pawns going into this thing are pretty much disposable. So as long as Plant Dude makes it out, we're good. So my number 12 is My Hero Academia. Because wow. while I was talking about earlier, I just didn't super care for the chapter. I gotcha. There were some things I liked about it. The hand thing is interesting, but also I don't want to say it seems too dark for my hero because I don't really know that anything is. But this guy seems like such a poser. I kind of wanted him, I guess, to have a like giving him a tragic backstory gives him a pathos. I don't think he really reflects or deserves in a way. He's like such a disaffected youth that I kind of wanted him to stay that way as a contrast to Deku, who's trying so hard. Yeah. So my number 11 was Neolation. Because I did like this chapter of Neolation, and like you, I wish we could stick with Flashback Neo forever, but I was already starting to get the vibes that were going to be ending Flashback Neo very soon, and so it kind of made me sad. So my number 11 is We Never Learn. It really got brought down by that last page for me, just because the art in it is unclear enough, the girls look similar enough, that I'm like, that looks like his teacher, but his teacher wouldn't be here, right? And what I'm supposed to think is, why is his teacher here? Yeah. When what I actually thought was, who, who is, is this that? girl that looks like his teacher? Who's the naked girl in his house? Literally, my note is, naked girl? Question mark? Yep. So my number 10 was Chainsaw Man. I did really like the jokes in Chainsaw Man. And I'm looking forward to the next chapter. But 
I just felt some of the other stuff was better. Uh, my number 10 is Boruto. I maybe put it a little higher than I might in hindsight, but it is kind of a static fight, but at least you can follow it. And it does have a, like, Naruto has to think about how to win. It's a pretty basic one that's been done in everything before. Yeah. But at least it's got that trigger. Yeah. So my number nine was Act Age. Hey, mine too. I thought this was still a pretty good chapter of Act Age. We have Yonagai finally gets the other girl in the cinema club to kind of admit that they're going to be friends because the film director friend, I, I don't know anybody's names, the kid that she's in the class with, sends his classmate a video of Kay and it's like, oh, that's her in her summer uniform. That must be when she was back in the day. And that's she kind of has this flashback as to why she hated her. Like, oh, hey, this is this actress chick. And I'm going to become friends with her because it doesn't seem like she has many friends. So maybe I'll be the one to be her first friend. Won't that be cool? I think it was even before she was an actress. Because what she said is like, she's this really beautiful girl. Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's it. Yeah, that is before she was an actress. You're right. And but she's she was like, like hey, you should come to karaoke. And she's just like, nah. I gotta go to work. And then she has this, like, dead look in her eyes that I thought got portrayed very well. Because she's like, no, I gotta go to work. And so we get Kay talking about how back then I was worried about paychecks because I had to help feed my younger siblings. And so it was, like, all about work and going to school. I couldn't have friends. I couldn't have fun. I was forced to endure this hardship. But now that I'm not... I want to be friends with you. And she was like, wow, I could actually see her. I liked the line of without any makeup, she suddenly became a different person. Yeah. So what do you have in number eight? Uh, number eight, I have Hellwarden. So do I. Pretty good chapter of Hellwarden. The world building backstory stuff was kind of cool, but it was just a lot of world building and backstory. So not fantastic chapter, but pretty interesting. I like that King Enma is bureaucracy yes. and not just even his dad was like, Hey, listen, King Enma is not just that kid that you keep talking to. That's just the mouthpiece. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. Yeah. So my number seven was Food Wars. Hey, mine too. <laughs> I really liked this chapter of Food Wars, but it was still more build up and set up. So really good. But just like we talked about, not a whole lot actually going on. Yeah. So what about lucky number six? Lucky number six for me was We Never Learn because I did not have the confusion of who is this naked girl in Yugi's house. It was, why is his teacher there? I like the hijinks. I always do for We Never Learn. And I liked the kind of emotional component of Yugi talking to Uraka about, well, I mean, how did you talk to your parents about studying abroad? And she was like, I just went and talked to them. And him, her convincing him, hey, you want to become a teacher like your dad, right? Your sister talked about him. So you should talk with your family because you can't put yourself through college on your own. You need other people to help you out. So my number six is Chainsaw Man, mostly because I said I really like that power joke at the beginning. Yeah. And also the ending cliffhanger. It's drawn really well. Yeah, I did really like that. My number five this week was The Last Sayuki. I liked this chapter of The Last Sayuki. It, like you said, it wasn't as good as some of the last ones, but it was still good, even though fighting the monster was kind of a trope we've seen before it's like oh it's a guy who can become intangible well we just attack him when he becomes tangible in order to attack us but i just like that it was ryanosuke sitting in like another room shooting the power pole out as soon as he became tangible and that's how they defeated him it's a really good panel too it's yeah. really well drawn 
My number five is One Piece because it also felt kind of transitiony to me. I liked a lot of the jokes and stuff, but One Piece has been having real strong economy of storytelling thus far, and this one is pretty much just the one big reveal. Yeah. Which I said, like I said, I had mixed feelings on, so. I gotcha. My number four was One Piece. I liked this chapter. Like you said, the jokes landed pretty well. Yeah, not much more to add. My number four is The Promised Neverland. Again, I just didn't like it as much as I liked recent Promised Neverland chapters. I don't think I liked it as much as you either. I did really like Norman like saying we just have to accelerate the plan, but Ray and Emma not being there really hurts it for me, even though I think Norman's a fine secondary protagonist to follow. I gotcha. My number three was My Hero. I liked this chapter of My Hero. I liked the more backstory and insight into Tomura and the rest of the League of Villains. So I thought it was pretty interesting to finally figure out more about the hands and some insight as to I'm expecting Tomura to pull the supervillain thing. And it's like, no, I'm here to destroy everything. And that includes you. I just needed to use you so that I could do it. My number three is the last Sayuki. And then I lost all my chain of thought. I feel like we've already talked about it a lot. I really like that power pull bit. I like the world building. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I actually said this on the mics. I think I said it before. But I think this was kind of overall a, a weak week for Shonen Jump. So even though Last Sayuki wasn't the best chapter of it, it was still better than a lot of the other stuff. I gotcha. So my number two was The Promised Neverland. Because I liked this chapter. I liked the kind of reveal that... His friends have been experimenting on demons. The secret creepy demon basement was interesting. The fact that the superhuman kids are kind of having, not withdrawal syndromes, but it seems to be like they're breaking down. They need more medicine. So it's like, no, of course. And Norman being kind of conflicted of like, even the one guy was like, listen, Ray and Emma are really cool kids, but they're still just kids. Like, you're, you're not leaving us, right, boss? And he's like, no, never. And I did really like that final panel of Angel Norman and Grim Reaper Norman kind of merged into. I'm nodding. You can't see it because it's an audio medium, but I'm nodding. My number two is Neolation because this is just exactly what I want Neolation to be. This might be the best chapter of Neolation to ever happen. I'm dreading getting to the beasts and his boring new friends because I don't care about them at all. Whereas I care about this dead little girl so much. Yeah, And also, like, he's doing hacking instead of throwing fireballs. Yes. And I really like just the dynamic of him always saying, hey, it's so easy. And then we get to see how much work he's putting in and how he's just playing it off so she'll praise him. Yeah. And so that makes our mutual number one Demon Slayer. Yeah, this was just Shonen stuff. It was the first thing I read, so it was the first thing I ranked, and I kept expecting something to go above it which is, I think, also part of why I didn't think this week's Shonen Jump was all that great. But that said, it is really good. It's not like it's a unworthy number one. It's exactly that Shonen sort of battle stuff that you're there for, the emotions kind of turning into victory for the character. Yep. And the dynamics of the fight are all really good, especially that panel we highlighted of Giyu just staring at the third moon? Yeah, the upper moon three. Upper moon three. He has a name that I just don't remember. And, like... Tanjiro. Uh, Tanjiro's just right behind him, and he, he was just like, do you not, why are you talking to me when... Yeah, and Tanjiro, he kind of has a blank look on his face, but it's kind of that thing of like, he has entered perfect calm, yeah. so he's just, it's not like he's staring there dead-eyed, it's just he's completely serene, which is why he's like, 
this is why he's talking to Gyu, because he doesn't even realize Tanjiro's there. Yeah, but I just really like Gyu's reaction now. He's super confused, and it's like- Wait, how did you not- Tanjiro, this will be the perfect time to sneak attack. I'm here to murder you. And it lets the audience figure it out, which is always something I appreciate. Yes. Like, Gyu doesn't even have a thought bubble saying, like, why? You know, thought bubbles in manga, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Well, and I also like- that is totally within Tanjiro's character, that he is kind of the nice guy. So he's like, I'm not going to sneak attack this dude. Because he could have, with the way he was doing it, he could have just cut off his head without the upper moon even knowing that he was there. I also really like that it's just not necessary for him to sneak attack him. Yes. we see right afterwards that, like, it's, it right works perfectly. Him, he's and fine. I definitely like that kind of flip of the trope of usually it's the hero being like, I'm here to attack. And they ruin the sneak attack and they have to get into an extended fight. And it was like, I have ruined the sneak attack, but it didn't actually matter. You're still dead. Yeah. It's that just transformed Super Saiyan Goku bit. Yes. Like, I am so powerful right now. It actually doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. So that does it for this week's Shonen Jump. So we will be back after the break with Slam Dunk Volume 1. Welcome to the jam. So we read Slam Dunk this week, which is surprisingly difficult to say. You wouldn't think so. No, you wouldn't. What did you think about Slam Dunk, Kevin? I actually kind of like Slam Dunk, mainly because it wasn't just about basketball. Yeah, there's a lot of that. The thing I found interesting about it was it was a lot more comedic than I expected. Yeah. Not that it shouldn't have been or that sports stories can't be comedic. It's got a lot of that typical shonen comedy level to it. Yeah. But it focused a lot more on the joking aspects than I was expecting, even though it can be serious as well. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it a comedy, but there was a lot more of that humor to it than I expected. And like you said, it's not really about basketball, but in the way that like Naruto is not really about fighting. It's about this character's journey. Yeah. So the main character is Sakuragi Hanamachi. He is Kuwabara. Yes. I think Kuwabara might be him. I know Slam Dunk's a little old. Uh, it feels like it. Kubara might be a shorter version of him. That's fair. He's got that exact pompadour. His hair is red, whereas Kuabara's blonde, but he's got that exact punk look. And he has exactly Kuabara's gang yep. following him around. So in middle school, he was rejected by 50 girls in a row. Yep. The last one of which rejected him because she liked the captain of the basketball team. Yep. So in high school, he immediately goes... Gets a crush on this girl named Haruka Akagi, who just loves basketball. Yep. So he gets super into basketball. And she's like, hey, you're an athlete, right? He's like, definitely. And she's like, wow, you're so tall, you'll be perfect. Yeah, well, she's like, wow, you're so tall and your muscles are so big. And he's like, yeah, of course, I'm a natural athlete. That's me. I love basketball. Yes. Uh, so he immediately gets in trouble with some third years. He's like, hey, you, after school, fight on the roof. Yeah. He's like, I'll be there. And then she's like, hey, want to practice basketball after school? And he's like, yes. Yeah. And so we cut to the gang being super mad they were stood up for their fight date on top yes. of the school. Well, and she's like, hey, you know, you said you play basketball all the time, but have you ever heard of a dunk? The most basic of all basketball technique? He never said that he played basketball. He just said, I'm an athlete. She's Because even he's like, I haven't really played basketball. I guess that's true. So then she's explaining to him what a slam dunk is. And 
she sees him, he picks up the basketball and he's palming it, which is actually extremely difficult to do unless you have very large hands because basketballs are quite large. So it's kind of hard to get the grip strength necessary to hold on to it with just one hand. Yeah. And he goes for the dunk. But again, because this series is more comedic, he misses and slams his face into the backboard. Yeah. Like he gets, he jumps high enough. Yeah. He has the height. He has the, he can palm the ball. So he's palming the ball. He's got the height. He just misses and cracks his forehead into the backboard, which was great. Yeah. And it's all shot so that you don't notice that that's what's happening until like, he's like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then you see a panel from underneath and you see that he's like six inches to the left of the basketball hoop. Yeah. And. What's really great about it is there's this amazing two-page splash of him jumping yeah. to the hoop, which just looks like a super dramatic, like, dive for a dive, that's not the right word, but jump for a dunk. Yeah. And the reason I think Slam Dunk might actually be very good is there's actually no basketball game in this volume. There's some basketball played, but there's not, like, a game. No. And when he draws that, like, jump for the dunk, it's just so dynamic. And there are a couple of similar shots later that I feel like he could draw like just people trying to dunk yeah. for like an entire chapter and everyone just like showing different positions of players and different ways of it's blocked and stuff could be interesting and dynamic. Yeah. Assuming and, he can do that for, you know, an entire week. Yeah. Well, and it also it makes it seem like it's not just going to be him going for dunks. Like dunks aren't the only thing he could draw. At one point he's kind of he's spinning the ball around his torso. And I feel like that seemed very dynamic to me. Like, they made it seem like he was weaving the ball around himself. And everyone was like, wow, I'm really impressed that he can do that. That's a pretty advanced technique. Yeah, and in contrast to something like Haikyuu, where we talk about how the volleyball thing, scenes kind of draw together and are almost boring, I feel like just the way he draws people trying to block and get in aggressive has an action to it. That he can just draw, like, a static moment from a basketball game, I feel like. Yeah. And make it interesting and entertaining. Yeah. It, well, I do not care about basketball at all. It is, in my opinion, one of the most boring sports to watch. But I still feel like this could be a real exciting basketball manga. Yeah. And honestly, the main reason that I feel like it being an exciting basketball manga is it's it doesn't feel like it's all about the basketball. Whereas... In Haikyuu, even though it is about the characters, it's about the characters in relation to them in the volleyball team, not the characters themselves necessarily. Now, maybe that's just because we're 300 chapters in. I was going to say, I wonder if we'd started from the beginning, if we would still feel that way. But the thing is, even though I like Haikyuu's art a lot more than you do, a lot of times it feels like the volleyball game is being montaged through. And while that might be true for the basketball game, I feel like maybe basketball highlights are just more exciting. Or maybe this guy's just better at drawing them. Totally possible. Because just the moments we saw, like, they were all very exciting. And there's definitely a shonen anime spin on some of them, as yes. we will get to. Whereas Haikyuu seems like the volleyball is mostly pretty realistic. Yeah. So the other major character besides Haruko and Hanamachi is, I guess there are two others, but the next one we're introduced to is Kade Rukawa, who is this basketball genius is making it sound a little more tropey than it actually is but to put it in shonen anime tropes he is the sasuke to yeah hanamachi's naruto no they don't make it seem like he the word genius is never used the word genius is never used and they make it seem like he just he played basketball since he was a kid and he has a bunch of natural talent at it 
So he's coming in with a bunch of basketball training. He's also freakishly tall, really athletic, and he's been playing basketball for a while. So they're like, that's why he seems so good as he's been doing it. It's not like he decided, oh, I saw that guy playing basketball. I'm also going to do it. Hey, look at how good I am. Yeah, and Haruko went to the same middle school as him. Yes. And she's like, oh, man, I wonder which of you two guys is taller. And she's like, he was so good that a lot of the times teams would triple or quadruple team him. Uh, and he, it just triple team him at one point. Okay. But he would still score the most points on the team. Yep. And she's like, oh, also, I have a huge crush on him. And I don't know. I'm telling you this. You're just really easy to talk to, Hanamachi. Yes. And I, all her friends are like, you know, he's in a gang. He's like a super scary guy. And she's like, oh, no, he's not. He's. Yeah. And he gets super dejected by this because he's like, oh, she likes somebody else. Because his number one dream is to walk to and from school with a girl. Yeah. Which is a very dingy ish dream. But again, it just comes off as more charming. He's modest. It comes off as much more sweet than Denji's thing of he's just like, I kind of want to have the experience of having a girlfriend like later on in one of his kind of uh, daydreams about it. He's like, oh, don't don't get too close. Yeah, I it comes up makes him seem like much less of a creep, which you need to make him a sympathetic character. Yeah, it's it's not I want to be with a girl. It's like I want to get a girlfriend, but not just I want to get a girlfriend. It's like I just want to walk to and from school with a girl. So anyway, the third years that he stood up, show up in one of his classes, one of the teachers like, you can't be here. He's like, I'll make it short. Roof fight tonight. And his, I guess, second in command is a guy named Yohei Mito. It's not really clear if they've been friends for a while or if this is like newly developed. Yeah. But he's like his fight secretary almost slash his number two. Uh, He's like, I will be the second for the duel. Yeah, basically. So they go up there, but when they get there, Rukawa has already shown up and has beaten up all the gang members. Well, that's because Rukawa was taking a nap on the roof, and so the gang... Like you do in anime. Yeah. So the gang show up there, and they're like, hey, who's this? We're supposed to be having a fight here. Who's this guy? And so they kick him, and he's like, how dare you kick me? And that's why he beats up all of the gang members, because they annoyed him. He's like, I was taking a nap. How dare you interrupt my nap? Yes. So... Hanamachi shows up. The one thing I don't like about this is I cannot remember Hanamachi's name. That might be the one problem with Slam Dunk, is I don't like the main character's name. A very small problem. And he's like, hey, what's going on here? And he kind of is like, hey, are you with these guys? And they're like insulted by it. And he finds out he's Rukawa. And Haruka runs up because she doesn't want them to fight. And she thinks that's what's going to happen because... Yeah, and she sees Rukawa is bleeding because of the fight that he had previously, but it looks like the main character, because I can't remember his Hanamachi. name. Either. Hanamachi. He's like got him by the shirt, and so it looks like they've they've been in the fight, even though that's not actually what happened. He was just, I mean, he probably was going to punch him in the face because he doesn't like the guy, but they hadn't actually fought yet. What actually causes him to punch him, though, is Haruko runs up and he's like, oh, did, did he hurt you? And he's just like, who are you? Like, completely oblivious to her feelings which is what sets him off yeah just blows her off he's like how dare you blow off this girl she's amazing yes so they end up actually fighting and they get that rival respect by the end of it but hanamachi kind of leaves despondent because now haruka hates him yep at one point he kind of his buddies are holding him from jumping off the roof because he's like she hates me now there's no point in life anymore yeah so then the next chapter at the start, though, one of his second for the do, Yohei, is just like explain the entire situation to Haruko. And she's like, oh, no, I have to apologize. Yeah. Which I 
I do kind of like it is kind of weird that the drama like completely fizzled like that. But again, this story has a much more comedic tone than I was expecting. Yeah. And keeping that weird drama there wouldn't really make it work. So the next major story arc is through hijinks and basically insulting basketball. Hanamachi ends up in a basketball duel with the captain of the basketball team. Yep. Who is pretty obviously Haruka's brother, because she'd mentioned earlier yeah. that her brother was in charge of the basketball team, but he's completely oblivious to that. And it's a very shonen anime basketball one-on-one where the captain's like, okay, you said it's just about putting a stupid ball through a stupid hoop. If you get one basket on me before I get 10 on you, I'll consider it a win for you. Yep. And there's this great bit where he does like a basketball kick, almost yelling it. And like he tries to kick the ball away. I'm like, that's not how basketball works. They're like, that's soccer. That was a slide kick. He's like, perfect. I'll just time my attack when his focus is down. So he's like going to dribble. And like as he's dribbling it, he kicks the ball out with a slide tackle. It's pretty great. It's it's also very well drawn. Yes. In a way that makes it look both dynamic and very funny. Yep. So obviously he gets down nine to zero. Yep. And it's got the point where he has to put up or shut up. There's this weird bit where he ends up pantsing the captain, which is just for humor. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe the one joke that I didn't think landed super well, because it's not like it creates an opportunity for him to win or anything. No. It's just a weird thing that happens. But anyway, Hanamachi decides, what if I tried to play defense? Yes. Basically, and he manages to start blocking shots and gets the ball finally. Yeah, through a lot of struggle. Like, he doesn't just, like, snatch the ball away from him. He kind of, they get into a tussle, and Hanamachi is the one who ends up with the ball. Yes. But they're like, well, the, like, onlookers in the crowd are like, well, that's impressive, but also uh, the captain's defense is way better than his offense, actually. Yep. And he does, like, a volleyball spike to block a shot which is, again, a little shonen anime and also really cool. Yep. So the way Hanamachi ends up scoring is he tries to basically self-alley-oop. He just throws the ball and then runs for it to jump. But the captain tries to intercept, and they both have a hand on the ball. But Hanamachi is so strong that he just dunks it. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, with the captain on it. And there's a great bit in a later chapter, like, yeah, Hanamachi won. It's like, well, technically it was a foul. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, they were like, technically it was a foul. I was like, yeah, but the captain also said you didn't really have to follow yeah. the rules because he was traveling because he didn't know how to dribble. Yeah, earlier he just started traveling. You're like, you have to dribble. And the captain's like, I don't care. I need this handicap. Yep. And that Which leads us to one of my favorite chapter names of manga thus far on the podcast. Not that we usually mention them on the volumes. collected volumes, but chapter seven of this is I Am Basketball Man. Yep. <laughs> which... Is really good. Basically, he goes around just being like, I'm basketball man. I'm on the team now. And the captain's like, no, you are not. Yeah, he's like, but I beat you in a contest. That means I'm better than you. And he's like, no, not really at all. But he get, he's super determined to make it onto the team to get Haruka's affection. And now he just kind of seems to be into it more. Yep. So he kidnaps one of the basketball players on the team. Is like, so what? what's the captain like? He's like, what are his favorite foods and stuff? Bananas, right? Because he keeps calling him gorilla the entire time. Yes. And what kind of girls does he like? And he, like, I don't know how, because this feels like it's taking place in the 80s. Slash was written in the 80s. But he Amazon primed him a ton of bananas and a bunch of pictures of this girl. Yeah, from magazines. <laughs> Which is a pretty good bit. 
But also, more importantly, he starts breaking into the gym to shine the basketballs and the floors and stuff. He breaks into the locker room. So the first time he breaks into the locker room, puts on the captain's uniform, and is like, check it out. I'm a basketball player now. Like, look up to me and worship me because I beat your captain. So that means I'm better than him. And all the players are like, uh, that's the captain's uniform. and He's going to be super pissed. And the captain just kind of ignores him like, yeah, you, you don't matter. Yeah, but then he breaks in, he shines all the balls, he shines the floor entirely by himself and, like, passes out by the yep. time everybody gets there. And that very clearly actually does earn the captain's respect. Well, they're also, all of the balls had Hanamachi's name kind of, like, initialed in them very small. And he's like, and they're also, they seem to be very strategically covered with red hairs. Yeah. I, I don't know, I just, something about that, like, he hazes himself in a weird way. Yes. And I really like that because it doesn't make the captain a bad guy, but it still gets that sports story moment yeah so then basically the chapter the volume ends on two chapters of hanamachi at practice and how he's not looked down to but he has no basketball skills so the team manager is just like this is how you dribble and the captain's like you don't get a practice with us just sit there dribbling in the corner because fundamentals yep which makes sense but he's doing a dribble and drill where he's like stuck in a lunge do 100 dribbles then take another step and do another 100 dribbles on the other side and it's like Hanamaji is clearly getting frustrated. He's like, listen, all I want to do is slam dunk. I can slam dunk, right? And just what well, that'll be the basketball game. I just slam dunk and win. Yeah, and I really like how that's his attitude and the captain's like, no, fundamentals. It actually is kind of a weirdly not realistic story, but yeah. a very sports story that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely that is one of the big things of somebody who because Hanamachi clearly has a lot of athletic talent. So he's like, well, I can slam dunk. That's all I need to do, right? And the captain being like, no, you need to learn the fundamentals. You don't even know the rules of the game. What makes you think you can practice with us? Yeah. And it basically ends on a, him dramatically declaring he's going to quit because he's looked down on. Or that's how he perceives it. Yeah. Which, again, I really liked Slam Dunk in a lot of ways. Talking about it made me realize that I liked it even more than I thought. Yeah, it was really good. I, it's definitely one I would be willing to pick up in the future. I understand why it's up there when people talk about sports manga. Yep. Any final thoughts you had about it, Kevin? No, like you said, I really liked it, and this is definitely something I'd be willing to come back to. All right, so that just leaves us putting Hanamachi on our personality power level list. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. The best is Izuka Midoriya, a.k.a. Deku from uh, My Hero Academia. The worst is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Yep. And in the middle, we have Son Goku from actual Dragon Ball. So while I did really like Slam Dunk, I don't know that I think Hanamachi goes super high, in part because we're only getting part one of his story. He's still just kind of the aggro-aggressive guy. Yes. He's got a lot in common with characters like Naruto and Asta. Yeah. Although, the character I wanted to start him at was actually Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay. I don't really know why that stood out, but it did to me. I think that's about the level he's on. Although I like Yu-Gi-Oh more, but I think Hanamachi might be a better character because he has that weird gang aspect that gives him like ways to get into trouble, but also this gang of followers slash friends to yeah. help him out. And like I just think it leads to more kind of story potential. Yeah, it does. And it kind of feels like, because it's like he used to be in a gang, but he doesn't act like he used to be in a gang. It's kind of like I just used I was the biggest kid in my middle school. So these guys started following me and then all of a sudden other people started jumping us kind of deal. 
Yeah, they, I mean, he's got that punk haircut, like that reads as gang yeah. member in Japan. He definitely, and he feels like a punk, but he doesn't act like the upperclassmen gang members who are like constantly looking for fights. It seemed like he was the dude that, for whatever reason, just looked like a punk. And so everybody started attacking him and he started defending himself. Yeah, it but, definitely feels like he more has a group of friends than a gang. Yes. So since I compared him to Asta, how do we think he compares to Asta? You're more the Asta guy than I am. I think I might like him a bit more than Asta. Okay, I'm going to go just, with you on that. Just a little bit more. not Right ton. above Asta, we have Son Goku. And I don't think he goes above Son Goku. No. Not after one volume, at least. No, and the the reason I think I might like him more than Asta is kind of the potential of him, like you said, where he might have a lot more character to him. I feel like Asta hasn't grown a ton from a character standpoint. He's grown from like a fighter standpoint, but he has, I don't feel like he's had a ton of character development. So Sakuragi Hanamachi goes the number 12, dead center of the list, above Asta and below Goku, uh, a character that I think has a lot of potential to move when we revisit Slam Dunk, which I'm pretty sure we will, since we both had very positive feelings on it. Yeah. But before then, what are we going to be reading next week, Kevin? Next week, we are going to be reading Prince of Tennis. It's almost like I alluded to it at the beginning on purpose. Weird. So until then, www.lastpodcast.com is our website. You can see the personality power level list there. You can join our Discord if you want to talk to us. If you have suggestions for manga we should read, it's an excellent place. Or if you want to talk about Slam Dunk, that is the place to do it. You can also find my other two podcasts there. Last time on Video Games, where we just played not Sega Bass Fishing, because that's next week. Shadow of the Ninja, a mediocre ninja platformer on the NES that's not Ninja Gaiden. As well as my other podcast, It's a Gundam which just had an April Fool's Day episode, as well as an episode that Kevin was on come out Yay. this week. So listen to those, especially if you want to hear all about Wizard Mom. If you want to help us out, you could tell a friend about the show. That would be great. Or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, is there anything else you'd like to plug this week? Yeah. So if you've been reading stuff on Shonen Jump, you've probably seen ads for their World Next Door game, which it feels like it was published by Viz, not developed by Viz. It's this kind of light novel game with this really interesting puzzle battle system. So it's like one of those Connect 3 score points things, only while you're doing that, you're also being attacked by monsters and fireballs. So you've got to run around, dodge attacks, trying to connect to these puzzles. And so the battles feel very interesting. I'm not super far into the actual story of the game, but it seems like a cool thing. So I would recommend checking it out because I had seen it when I was looking at the current chapters and was like, well, this is worth checking out. All right, then. We will see you guys next week. 